Hi, this is Walford Kaufman, pastor of Southside Baptist Church in Gaffney, South Carolina, and this is our teaching time. And so we're going to be starting a new series. We're going to be working through the book of Romans. That's right. We're going to be looking at Romans. So go ahead and get your Bible ready. Maybe get some uh, note paper there and a pen or some of y'all on laptops. Make some notes of this because this is a great study as we look at the book of Romans. Let's begin in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we look at your precious word, it's here for a reason. All these years when this book could have been tossed to the side, it still holds so much truth and so much that we need to have in our lives today. Thank you as you lead us through this study. In Jesus' name, amen. So we look here in Romans chapter 1, and it starts out, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. And so, interesting way, they did letters totally different than us. Uh, I got a letter in the mail the other day. I thought it was very unusual. Uh, handwritten, which is unusual in this day and time. And had a regular stamp, which is unusual in this day and time. And I started opening it up. And it was somebody introducing themselves, and it had dear, and then had my last name there, family, dear Kaufman family, and introducing themselves, and then sign. Uh, it, unfortunately, it was a letter from a Jehovah Witness. With all that's going on with COVID-19, they're not out visiting, but they're still trying to get their word out and all this. And so there it was, dear Walford and a letter, and then signed. Back in the day that Paul and them wrote, see, a lot of times we look at the scripture and say, well, they did it for the book. No, this is the way they actually wrote letters. So how they would do it, they would put the writer's name first. Like for me, it's a Walford first. But see, Paul's writing this letter, and so there uh, has his name first, and then it's actually talking about uh, uh, who is going to be reading this. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, a call to be apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures regarding his son, who as, uh, who as to his human nature was descended of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection through the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his name's sake, we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Christ Jesus. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his saints. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we have there in those first seven verses is actually uh, the writer's name and then who he's writing to. To all in Rome who are loved by God. So that doesn't mean all that were in the city of Rome, but all those who are followers of Jesus Christ, who are loved by God and called to be saints. And so all this going on, and then there's a, a greeting in there. All this is happening. So who wrote the letter? Who's the letter going to? To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. And then a greeting and all this going on. But see, Paul also had to explain a little bit about himself. Because, interesting, 
He is writing to a church he has never visited. He is writing to a church uh, that he did not found. There's a lot of the writings, Paul helped establish those churches. And he got, he got them started, and then he moved on. But this is the situation. He's not founded this church. He's not visited this church. And so he's having to spend a little bit of time explaining who he is. Uh, that was kind of strange that letter I received. It just had uh, her first name, not a last name. And uh, interesting, it was not a return address to her home. It was a return address to the place of worship they have for Jehovah Witnesses. So, you know, to me, I tore that letter up. It didn't have importance anyway because it's Jesus Christ. But, you know, think about it. You want to make sure you're explaining who you are. And so that's why Paul spends some time establishing his apostolic ministry. What gave him the authority, the right to the church there in Rome? What did that? And see that he says first that he is a servant of Christ Jesus. And how important that is. He is a servant. And then he says he is called to be an apostle. Called by God, not his mama, not his, not his uh, sisters. It was by God he has been called and then set apart for the gospel of God. So here he is being a servant. He's called by God and he's set apart. That's what's giving him the authority to even write that letter. For them to open it and see how important that letter is. But we have to remember, this was a man who had some credentials. He really did. He had some credentials. You find that over in Galatians 1, verse 13 and 14. Galatians 1, 13 and 14. Look what it says there. And this is Paul writing, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. That's what Paul used to be like. Here was a man, his zeal, his hard work, uh, he followed the, the traditions of the, of the Jews, those religious guidelines he kept right, I mean, right with them. I mean, he followed them word for word. And it brought him honor. It actually brought him some advancement. Even those that had grew up with him, maybe had gone to the schools with him, he had advanced them. That's how he was when he was a Jew. But now Paul considers himself Christ's bond slave. That's what he is now. He's a bond slave. All what Christ had done had brought him to that point. And so and it says here in verse 5, And through him and for his namesake, we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles, that's the Romans, uh, Romans that he is reaching, uh, to the obedience that comes from faith. And so you see here that he's wanting to advance uh, the, to the nations. He's wanting to get the message out. He is a bond slave. Uh, Christ has worked in his life, and he has a message to the nations, to those in Rome. And see, it says there in verse 6, and you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So here he was, Paul, a servant, a bond servant. 
He was a slave to Christ now. He used to be this way. He used to be way up in the Jewish tradition. But now he's a servant and he's got a message to bring to all the Gentiles and especially those in Rome. All this is part of this letter introduction there. But another reason why he's wanting the, the deal with those in Rome, he had not been there before, but he needed the Romans' help to get into Spain. See, that was a part, I mean, this man's passion for sharing Christ. He just didn't settle doing a few little places. He wanted the next step, the next step. And then that should be the way we today, as believers, every neighbor, every county, every state, every nation should have the message of Jesus Christ. So he, uh, he needed their help in evangelizing Spain. Now, for some reason, he does not mention this until you get into the chapter 15 of Romans. Maybe the reason he didn't unload on them in the introduction, he did not want to see uh, them being overwhelmed. Maybe it's because he didn't want to scare them. Maybe it was because he wanted to make sure they knew he really loved them. He really cared for them. And he was not wanting to use them just to get into Spain. He, so maybe that's why he just waited a little bit. But back to that uh, apostolic message that he wanted to share. There in verse 2 it says, The gospel he promised beforehand their prophets in the Holy Scriptures. This was the gospel that was promised in the Old Testament. Let us be reminded, it's just not Old Testament and then slash, here's the New Testament. The message of Jesus Christ was even started back in the Old Testament and all this. And so Paul was like many of the other early Christians. He saw those promises. And that's why, think about it. I mean, Jesus, we just got through with Christmas and all that celebrating and all this. But those folks had heard that he was coming. And when he came, they were blinded to it. They couldn't see it. But there are many, many of the early believers like Paul. They had seen that when Jesus was born, all he was doing was fulfilling what was already been taught. What was there in their writings in the Old Testament it was already there. And so they were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And But now, now the gospel was centered in Jesus Christ. In verse 3, it says, Regarding his son, who as to his human nature was descended of David. In verse 4, and Who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so what we see here, the gospel is now centered, not in the Old Testament writings. The gospel message is centered in Jesus Christ. It's centered in Jesus Christ. And there's two great affirmations that Paul is saying there in that greeting, that two affirmations that made it so important. First is the incarnation. That's a fancy word. It just means that Jesus became flesh. He became flesh. And what made it so important was it became flesh. And by being in that flesh, he was a descendant of David. And isn't that in the Old Testament? Don't we see that writing just coming about? 
and then being birthed into the New Testament. And so the incarnation, God became flesh in Jesus Christ, being born, yes, of Mary. And then you see that uh, being of the descendant of David. But the second thing was Jesus' exaltation. Exaltation. only way Jesus was exalted is because Jesus died because of our sins. He died because of our sins, but he rose from that grave. He conquered death. And then there was a time, 40 days later, he ascended up in heaven. And how beautiful this is. But it says there in that verse 4, and that by the resurrection from the dead, yes, he ascended up into heaven in the power of, to be the Son of God. That was the power. That's why that big stone rolled away from that grave. That's why Jesus walked out with that new glorified body. He was the Son of God. Yes, in, in power. So in these opening lines, we see several things. Paul has introduced himself as an apostle to the Gentiles. Second thing is the gospel he preached was the same one that they believed. And you, you got to check on things nowadays. There's some people say, oh, oh yes, I, I believe in Jesus. Uh, you know, do you know some of these cults, some of these, quote, religions? They say they, they believe in Jesus. They believe he's a good man. They believe he's a good teacher. He, was, he helped so many people, but they don't see him being the son of God. And so make sure you do that. And that's what's happening. Paul's introduced himself. He's an apostle to the Gentiles. And the gospel is preached, same as there. But then verse 7, verse 7 is so special. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what he's saying in that particular statement is that they have been set apart as God's people. They, because they believed in faith. That has set them apart. And so in that verse 7, there's a, a benediction almost. It's strange to have a benediction, but this is part of that greeting process uh, and all this grace and peace to you. And what he's saying there uh, is a Greek and Jewish combination of uh, that. But what we see in that verse is that we can never know the peace of God until we experience the grace of God. But I want to say it's even better. We're not only going to know that, that peace when we know that grace, but that grace, God is wanting to bestow it upon us. God's not got this grace hidden away, hiding it from you. You'll never get it. He wants to bestow it upon us when we come in his presence. Now, we're going to look at the verses 8 through 5. And many people call this particular section, uh, and uh, I really won't be going verse by verse type in. I'm going to read it all. But if you would take your time and look through this and see, but many people call this particular section Thanksgiving and Prayer Request. That's what it is. In this letter, Thanksgiving and Prayer Request. So let's look at it. Verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of His Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you 
in my prayers at all times, and I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. And so we see there, there are several things going on that uh, Paul is trying to get across to them and us today. Thanksgiving and prayer requests, every Christian should be thankful. First of all, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. We need to be thankful for other believers. In this time of COVID-19, when many churches are not able to be together, not even able to gather for any kind of worship or Bible study, let's pray for them. Be thankful for them. Also, every Christian should be committed. Every Christian committed. These early believers are committed, and Paul has heard of their work. We also see that every Christian should be prayerful. We just said that, right? Be thankful, but let's also be in prayer for each other. Also, every Christian should be surrendered. I want to tell you what, we have a lot of people who call themselves believers that are surrendering the white flag of saying, God's not here, God's given up on us. I mean, folks, COVID-19 is not an accident. God did not, oh, I didn't see that coming. He knew it was coming. He's got the power, he's got the strength. Don't surrender to the world, surrender to God. And then we see that every Christian should be usable. You don't have to be in the church choir. You don't have to be in the church in the Sunday school class. But you can still be usable more than ever before. If it means putting on your gloves and putting on your a mask and putting on a whole protective a garment, but go check on your neighbors. Check on your friends. Be useful. useful. And that leads us to every Christian should be fruitful. Fruitful. Won't it be awful that we get to the uh, end of our life and there's a little asterisk by these years right now that we're going through, 2020, 2021, that we go through that, that we were not fruitful because we were hiding away. It's more time now than ever before to be fruitful for Jesus Christ. And then every Christian should be obligated, should be obligated Think about it. Do we need to be obligated today? Jesus came and got into an earthly body and experienced the pain of that earthly body. And then he went to a cross that he did not earn. He should not have even come close to a cross, but instead he was nailed to that cross for our sins. We should be obligated to share the gospel message no matter what is happening in our life. What is happening in our world should not be an excuse. We should be obligated. And then every Christian should be eager. Should be eager. Paul is eager to get to the people in Rome. Not, to, not just to witness, but to learn and to grow from them. 
I mean, it was not just his teaching. That he wanted to be with them. Folks, we need to be eager about serving the Lord. And then the last two verses we're going to look at this particular study is verses 16 and 17. And we see here the righteousness of God. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew. That doesn't mean they got first priority. They got first choice though. First to the Jews and then for the Gentiles. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteousness will live by faith. And that's what's happening there. So Paul is eager to preach in Rome. You saw that in those first few verses there, that uh, the fulfillment of God's promises from the Old Testament, uh, to tell people about Jesus. But here is another reason. Here is another reason for the gospel. You know, for this gospel to be accomplished. Think about it. Verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the power of God to do what? For the salvation. Guess what? All evil can be overcome. That's right. All evil can be overcome. Salvation of everyone who believes First for the Jew, then the Gentile. You that's in Rome. You now that lives in America. You now that live in 2021. That you can overcome evil. But here's the beautiful thing of what Paul is trying to share. is this, uh, uh, the, that we can overcome evil and how wonderful that is. But th this, in verse 17, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as is written, the righteous will live by faith. That we, we, think about it, we as mere humans, we who are sinners in need of a loving God who can forgive us, and we do have that God, that we today can be made right before God. Think about it. As a young person, your best friend, there's some problems happen, and it's not like it used to be. You can be made right with that friend. Think about that. Well, isn't that something special when that can happen? What about with a husband and wife? When you, quote, make up, well, you're making right. What about a, a debt that you owe? And you go to check on it, and it's all paid. It's been made right. Think about coming before an almighty God. And every one of our sins are listed there. I mean, not just the name, but every time you've sinned. Think about that. Every time you've sinned. Don't, don't, don't group them. So, well, I can put them under this category. No, I'm not talking about categories. I'm thinking about every Every sin that you've ever committed, thought of in your life, being before you. But then, the righteousness of God is poured out. You've heard that. The blood of Jesus that's poured over our sins. And our sins are forgotten. Our sins are removed. And we stand before an almighty God, not because of what we've done, 
but because what Jesus has done. That's what Paul is sharing in the book there up to Rome, the letter to Rome. And won't this be a great, excite, uh, exciting time as we look at this study? So please join me in the weeks to come as we talk about this righteousness of God. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it, but it's there for us. Let's pray as we close. Father, I pray for each one that's taken part of this study. Bless them. And Lord, let this become so real in our lives. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for all that he's done and still doing that we, in all of our sin, can be made right before you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, see you with the next study.